Hello, and welcome to the show Gold Squadron Gays. It's the podcast where two Star Wars loving gays break down each episode of their favorite Star Wars TV shows while also being gay as hell. I'm your host, Bradley Brower. And I'm your other host, Charles Rogers, and that was the most lethargic fake intro I've ever heard from Bradley. <laughs> I think he's getting exhausted editing these Andor episodes in rapid succession. Back to back to back. How bad has your social life suffered, Bradley? Oh, I'm supposed to have a social life? You're not. I, I oh, just okay. always assumed you did because, you know, there's always one in, like, person who never leaves their house on the podcast and one person who interacts with people. And I just assumed I was the one who stayed in his house. Uh, but clearly I nope. need to be going out more. Yeah, I was going to say, not when uh, there's new Star Wars out. Uh, new Star Wars and Rings of Power and House of the Dragon and She-Hulk, all that we have to watch. Oh my gosh. You know, I'm, I don't know what to do with myself, honestly, because it's like, I feel like I'm so behind on everything and I'm just like, got to catch up on these shows. Oh, now I got to spend another hour on this show. Got to spend another hour on this show. I'm And I've now watched Andor three times. This is, I've watched it once myself, Jeez. once to take notes and once with my boyfriend. So that I've watched three times. Rings of Power, I've watched episode four twice, once with my family, once with my boyfriend goodness so i had to watch that one twice as oh it's so that's, much and that's it's long so as hell i don't watch like, that's that, that's really those hard episodes are long as hell they're right, twice they're as really... long as an andor episode yeah that's that's not fun coming up on the gold ring gaze or whatever <laughs> new yeah. lord of the rings <laughs> next podcast, week on gold ring gaze we're gonna talk about the line uh give me the meat raw and why that line was put in there specifically for the gays yep. and no one else. Because we all know what's going on there with Durin and Disa and Elrond. I'm give just, me the meat I'm, and give it to me raw. <laughs> I'm just going to take a long sip of my coffee and just look at the camera. <laughs> Loves it. Oh, Alrighty. So for today's Mon Mothma Minute, and I have just started, if you are just tuning in, there is no Mon Mothma in episodes one through three. So instead, I have picked one Mon Mothma story that either features her or is about her that I recommend to people. And on episode three, I will be recommending the book Moving Target. It is a junior novel. It is about Leia basically running around doing a mission raid before Return of the Jedi. However, there is some really good Mon Mothman stuff in it. She's not the focus of the book, but she has some really, really nice, sweet scenes with Leia. There's a this one and Princess and the Scoundrel both do this, but on balance, I think I recommend moving Target more just because a lot of people haven't read the book. And I think it's definitely worth checking out for the Mon Mothma stuff, for the Leia stuff. It's a really fast read. Go read that book. And that is your Mon Mothma Minute for episode three. We will be back next week. Actual Mon Mothma Minute. Because she's in the episode. Ugh, that's about a minute and one second. Eh, you're compensating for the last one. So there Yeah, you go. the last one was, was a little bit short. So that one is a little bit long. Bradley, uh, you want to... I, I was going to say... Well, I was going to say real quick about Mon Mothma because uh, it's hilarious. You don't know this yet, but I've been editing the podcast for the last two episodes and um, I added music to your Mon Mothma <laughs> minute. So every time you speak during your Mon Mothma minute, it's just like regal like music. And fun fact uh, to everyone out there, it is the exact audio from her speech in Rebels. So oh it's the music God. that is playing during her speech in oh Rebels. Oh my God. Um, I don't know how I found this on YouTube. I just did, and I stole it from. I mean, I uh, uh, used similar 
sound from a YouTube video that uses this music and it sounds really hilarious because it sounds like you're giving this really like important speech and all you're doing is like, go read this book. Gushing about this character that I'm obsessed with. Right. So there you go. Um, It's going to be hilarious when you listen to it. I love it. I will. I will be listening to the episodes one, two and possibly three tomorrow. Nice. Uh, I will be doing a lot of listening to pot to our podcast this weekend. And because I have to go listen to I want to bring it up because I'm not sure when it's going to come out. Um, but it's it's close. It's like within a matter of a week or two, it's going to come out. I also have to listen to part of the first episode, the actual play episode for uh, the For Light and Dice podcast, a new podcast that I am on uh, with Chris from Dark Side Divas and Hope from J Guys and Jedi and Jess from RuPaul's Rod Race and our friends Colton and Nathan, a High Republic tabletop game podcast that i'm contractually obligated to mention at every opportunity now when does that uh air do we know yet uh i don't know i know okay. when we've set up our our next session uh which is coming up here in about a week and a half as of recording so it's a good sign that the first episode is almost ready to go and i know some of it's in the drive that i haven't listened to yet mm-hmm. but i'll be listening to that after we record this episode and i make another tiktok that's my reward at the end of the day it's like a reward I get to listen it's like a reward um so maybe maybe during the spooky season you guys will air that <laughs> Uh, I think I think it's going to drop during the spooky season or or immediately before. There's still um, six, seven days left in September. I never okay. remember. We'll see. I never remember the end of September. And on that terrible segue. This week, we're going to be talking about Andor episode three titled Reckoning. Cassian's desperation to avoid arrest leads him to a mysterious man with unknown connections. Charles, what is one thing you liked about this episode and one thing you did not? I liked the the use of silence in the episode. I don't believe I noted it anywhere in my notes with those points. Silence and sound. Like the background hammering of like the metal on metal and how that plays into the tension of the episode and then the silence and what the silence means there's some excellent stuff especially in the back half of the episode with just quiet shots or silent shot and i love whenever the sound design of a particular episode of tv or a film really lends itself to the storytelling uh as opposed to you know just augmenting it that they work that into the storytelling and they did this i absolutely love marva's speech where she talks about uh you know you really need to start wearing software you need to start wearing when the sounds stop uh so i definitely loved that very very difficult to think about things i did not like in this episode uh because this episode was an absolute banger i i'm struggling really with that it's hard to say because the one thing off the top of my head is i wish we'd gotten a little more upfront about who luthan is uh, and like what his deal is, but also like that's kind of the point of it is that we don't know and we're going to find out next episode. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. I'm really struggling here. I don't know if I can come up with something about the overall episode that I dislike. There are choices that the characters make in the episode that I disagree with on a character level. And there's two, there's, there's actually two instances where I'm going to talk about that and one big one that happens this episode where I'm like, what were you doing exactly? But those are issues issues I have with the character not the episode itself like the the choice the character is making in the universe all this to say I have no fucking idea Bradley what about you what's one thing you liked the one thing you did I loved the action in the episode I think it was a nice break of pace because so like the first two episodes 
were more about building character and introducing us to everybody. We we noted in the last episode that it was a very mid episode, very bridge kind of episode to where nothing really happened. Mid, by which we mean the the literally the middle chapter. The episode right. itself was not mid. The episode was excellent. It was just the middle chapter. Right. That's what and, we mean by mid episode. But I also mean it was the worst out of the three. Uh, and on that note, I'm just kidding. It was the least, like I felt like the premiere was the best and then the second episode was kind of like the less things happened. But then this episode felt like this is where all the action was because it was the climax of the three episodes. So it made sense that this was kind of chock full of like the action. Um, it's it's like I, eating at three very good high quality restaurants and having to rank the worst one of the three is still going to be a five star Michelin restaurant. How much did Disney pay you to do this? Uh, literally so much money. Yeah, that's what uh, I thought. I bought a new house and a new car right. uh, with my Disney checks. You guys can't uh, trust Charles's opinion on this show because Disney bought him. No, bought I, him wish, out. I wish Disney would pay me to say I, nice I wish they would too. Like, I would be like, hell yeah, this was the best thing since cinema. Uh, you know, anyway. I love the conspiracy theory of like people, I don't consider us critics. I consider no, us more no, you, analysis you need, people. No, you need to consider us critics so that but I love the whole, screeners. <laughs> the whole, I love the whole thing of like, oh, they're paying, Amazon's paying the critics to say Rings of Power is good. HBO's paying the critics to say House of the Dragon is good. Disney is paying the critics. Like, where's those ch- because every person I've seen that does criticism never gets like paid by the people. And they're right. always like, we would be paying off our mortgage if we could get checks from that. And exactly. like, no. What was one thing you disliked, Bradley? Oh, sorry. Yes. Uh, one thing I didn't like real quick is honestly, I didn't like the sporadic nature of the flashback. And I think that's because not, it, it's very short. Like if you actually were to compile everything that happens in the flashback into one five minute section... It's literally just Cassian gets on the ship. Marva discovers Cassian. Marva takes Cassian home. It's three bit. And that's it. The whole entire thing. And they spread it out too much, I think. I think they should have compiled it a little bit more into when she's kind of sitting there reflecting by herself, like crying in the chair um, at the end. I feel like that's like where it should have gone. I don't necessarily feel like it fit anywhere else in the episode because the rest of the episode was about, you know, everybody kind of being depressed at the end. And so it was like, (laughs) this is a happy show. Yeah. So anyway, I don't know. I just felt like it was kind of, I didn't like the structure of the episode. I guess that's what I'm saying is because I felt like it was a lot going on. And honestly, it just made my notes really hard to do because there it is. I feel like the scenes were so moved around in like lots of different places. It was hard for me to segment this this episode into like parts for us to talk about because it was like some of the stuff starts in one section and kind of like finishes in the other. And then you're like, wait, we already kind of talked about that whole scene, but it's kind of split into two parts. That's why I kind of was like a little weird about the structure. Yeah, the trust that Andor has in its audience, because it particularly in this episode, it's it's evident that it it's like they'll cut back to the flashbacks with no real indicator that it's a flashback and it'll be intercut in the middle of things that don't really have anything to do with flashing back. It's just kind of there and it just kind of trusts that by now you've picked up that that's a flashback. Right. Uh, like I was confused the first time I saw this episode because I didn't clock that Marva's hair color was different at mm. first and that B2 because I was watching early in the morning and, and my apartment window next to the TV faces east towards 
the rising sun. So the sun was still coming in the window when I watched it. And I I couldn't really tell at first just because of the light in the room that B2 and Marva looked slightly different. So I was like, oh, did she like leave the house? Is she going to a job? And then I realized, oh, oh no, that's that's a flashback. We begin in the past as a young Cassian explores the wrecked ship. In the present, Cassian lets Brazos know he's leaving the planet. Luthen makes his way through the town and is confronted by Bix, who informs him about the security force looking for Cassian. So the first time I watched this episode, I thought that the humans in the ship were just like green skinned alien. And then when I watched it again, they're not either. Well, they look like yellowish green, like sickly. They're definitely yellow. Like in. Yeah. So I thought they were yellow aliens. But if you look closely right. at them it is apparent that they are human yes i Something did catch has that gotten into them and i caught also, that yeah also i will point this out later on but when i rewatched episode two i didn't put this in my notes i don't think but when i rewatched episode two either the second or third time i noted that there was green stuff like coming out of the ship in, oh i didn't see that you could see green stuff kind of coming like green gas coming out of the ship and then by the time Casa crawls into it, uh, you can see that it stopped doing that. Okay. I I thought that, I mean, I definitely knew like looking in the flashbacks that yellow is a significant color because obviously all the kids are wearing yellow. All the tribe colors are yellow. And then when I saw the dead quote aliens slash humans, I was like, oh, they're all jaundiced or they have like yellow skin. And I was like, it's clearly meant to be like a toxic thing, like a reaction. Yeah. So anyway, I thought that was interesting. Noted Andor. I see what you did there. Mm -hmm. Uh, The debate rages in the um, circles that I run in as to exactly when this is taking place and who these people are. So I also have another part about the flashback that's kind of conflicting with your theory. Okay. So Cassian looks at himself in like a mirror or a shiny surface or whatever on the ship. And he kind of touches his face in a way that indicates he's never seen his own reflection before. See, I read it as he hasn't seen his reflection in a long time. I would argue that he hasn't ever seen a reflection because of the way he's reacting to all the stuff around him. I don't think he's seen technology before. Or he's seen it before and it got everybody killed. Hold on to this. We'll put a pin in this because later on- We're gonna come back to this we come back to this, I'm trying to think of like- um, the, like I said, when the way this episode is kind of structured, they kind of flash between different characters quickly. And so one of them being like this very short scene with Cassian and Brazos. And he's Brasso. like... The guy's name is Brasso. That's what I said. Not Brazos. Whatever. You're, it's thinking, you're thinking of Bravos. <laughs> Bravos, Brazos, Bravo, Brasso. You've got Game of thing. Thrones on the brain now because of House of the Dragon. Right. I just, uh, the only thing I had about this one tiny little part is where he's like, I'll leave the money with Marva, like, that I owe you. And it's like, Cassian, how much money do you owe the people this fucking planet? A lot <laughs> like, of people. He owes, <laughs> clearly, of- he owes everybody money. Well, because here's the thing, and I'm going to get a little personal for a minute, but I used to run in circles where you would meet this kind of person all of the time. Mm. You would meet a person who inexplicably owes, has borrowed money from everyone. And that's their whole deal is that they will work 
worm their way up to new people, borrow as much money from them as possible, and then sort of move on when they sense that they've borrowed a little too much money. Like, I know a lot of this guy. And what I think makes Cassian interesting is that the show depicts him both as generally a good guy, like he cares about Marva, he cares about B2. We see his gentle moments with B2 in episode one, uh, and then again in two. But he's also like a huge piece of shit. Like, just generally, he's constantly borrowing money from people with no intention to pay them back. He's depicted as being a bit of a womanizer. He's clearly untrustworthy. He clearly doesn't, like, work or contribute to the community. There's a big underlying theme of everyone contributing to the community. Cassian's the only one we see really not doing that. So it's interesting with Cassian as a character, at least when we meet him, that these two things can exist in tandem with each other. He can be a good guy who's trying to look out for his adopted mom and their pet robot. Uh, and also, gotta be a scummy piece of shit. And I love that. I love me some morally complex characters. That's why I love the first six seasons of Game of Thrones. It's it's because the writing gets really bad. Oh, I okay, I got the joke. I just, I was uh, trying to think uh, about how many seasons there were, and then I was like, I got uh, it. If you ask me when I'm sober, there are six. If you ask me when I'm drunk enough to complain about something, there are eight. <laughs> so I, I did take a, a few notes. I went looking because I read somewhere that we'd seen these sort of like scrapper ships before in Jedi Fallen Order. I went to go look for Jedi Fallen Order for to see if we had seen them before. Couldn't find it. I found the little platforms that we see in the Bad Bat, uh, but I couldn't find anything like this. And then I went to Wikipedia to try to check to see if this particular particular scrapper ship barge thing had been identified as of recording it has not it is not linked on the wikipedia article for this episode bless their hearts over at wikipedia they are trying their hardest to they are yeah i'm so sad that they haven't gotten it out uh, there but yet. i could not get confirmation on if we'd seen those scrapper yeah. removal ships before gotcha i do know that if you look in the background, you could see the AT-AT crane that we've seen in Solo and Mandalorian. So those are some things I noticed. My final note for the Brasso scene is... Uh, uh, what did you say? My final note for the Brasso scene. Sound like you said Brassos. Nope. I said Brasso scene. Uh-huh. Okay. I'm just speaking very quickly. So Cassian is like, yeah, I'll, I'll come back at some point. And I'm looking at this going, yeah, no, he's, this is going to be the end of the season. We're going to do a Navarro thing again with Mando season one, where he, where goes, he goes away back. and does yeah. two arcs. And then the final arc is him coming back to Ferret mm. uh, after revolution has fermented. I'm calling it now. So the scene where Luthen's shuttle like sweeps down and it lands. Uh, did you notice the step? robot uh yeah it just kind of drives right up just kind of drives right up uh i love the step robot the step I that, robot is i love that there's just a robot, robot for just like one like it's only one job like it only has one job it doesn't do anything else like it's what just is step. what is my purpose right exactly you move step so people walk <laughs> on you oh my god <laughs> <sighs> or uh help me step robot i've become trapped in the shuttle right that's that's not even the worst joke i've made on this podcast that's not even the worst joke i've made on this episode probably uh the guy says that hotels at ferrix are, are gouges i want to echo that sentiment as someone who just stayed in a hotel uh that they are 100 gouges oh god so he probably means like it's like an airport or airport hotel like it's like it's like yeah, right it's next like to the airport, airport it's convenient hotel. yeah but it's like over well here's the thing on my recent trip 
I got a hotel that I I didn't get one by the airport because I forgot that the city that I was going to uh, is not LA and it does not in fact take 30 minutes to get 10 blocks in Atlanta. Uh, and so I got a hotel in downtown, near downtown. Cause I was like, oh, I'll be right at the center of the 75 and the 85 meeting and I'll have easy access to everything. Nope, that was a mistake. That was a mistake. Cause that hotel one was super pricey and two, you had to pay for parking separately. So awful. Zero out of 10. Do not recommend. Room was great though. Anyway, that was my rant on hotels for the day. So there's a scene where where Luthen is walking down the street with Bix and he's questioning the uh, everything we ever submitted says fest. Uh, or everything He's questioning everything I've read says fest. Why is the Canary Beat bulletin about Cassian? And I'm like, later on Luthen will talk about how well he knows Cassian. How much does he know? Clearly he it seems to be a front stuff yeah i feel like it's like a front like he only knows like the what's official or like what's accessible publicly right so he's like kind of fronting that he knows more than he does which is interesting yeah because he's trying to recruit cassian later but i had that note because i was like i know that later he will talk like he knows a whole bunch of stuff about cassian how does he not know cassian's from canary and also like clearly he didn't bother to research cassian or speak to anyone because if he'd spoken to any of cassian's ex-girlfriends they would have told him or I mean, your lovers did you tell? Oh, Lord. Up next, the Primor security force shows up to Ferret and begins the search for Cassian as they split into teams. In the past, Marva, B2, and Clem Andor search the wreck ship for parts and come across a young Cassian trying to destroy the ship. Uh, my only note about the scene where the uh, the Pinkertons land down there is uh, I just got very Force Awakens vibes from the oh, inside yes, of the, the shuttle. The when scene it's where the security force shows up. Yes, yes I, know, I know that. I, I'm going to keep saying this because it causes you to blank and it's kind of funny to watch your eyes glaze over for a minute as your three brain cells try to figure yeah. out what I'm talking about. This is amusing to me and no one else. Uh, but it gave me Force Awakens vibes, which I thought was exactly. really cool. In the flashback scene, so they mentioned there's no gas toxicity. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is where I do want to point out that there was a green gas in, in episode two that all leaked out into the atmosphere. Okay, I got to watch that again because I didn't see that in the second episode. But or I just didn't catch it. Like You see green gas leaking out, like a, like a green gas leaking out. And mm-hmm. then when he goes into the ship at the beginning of the third episode, it's not leaking out anymore. And then they say there's no gas gas toxicity so it's clearly all leaked out gotcha um i also uh don't appreciate uh how marva's like you don't need a mask take it off that's right marva you should keep your mask on <laughs> i thought keep that was really on, funny marva because it it gives like a totally different meaning to us than it does to what she's talking about but i just thought that was really funny right she's saying we could take the mask off and breathe and right uh, I thought that was funny. I don't think I don't think the show was. I think that line was written in a little bit of a different era. Right. So Marva mentions that uh, the people just killed a Republic officer, which is weird because we've seen them have CIS passes. And if Cassian is ten in this scene, which apparently I have heard secondhand from someone that it was mentioned in an interview that Cassian is ten in this scene, he cannot. This is about three years after the Clone Wars end. Okay. So the timeline is all kinds of fucked up. Mm. I think we just don't have enough information yet. I think we're being misled here. I I agree. I think there's quite a bit we don't know. The reason why my theory is becoming even stronger is because the second B2 shows up in this scene, Cassian is scared of the droid. He sees it and he kind of get like jerks back. 
Like he doesn't understand what it is. Or so, he's seen droids before and they've he's got like Mando style trauma. I disagree. I think you are pushing really hard for this to be something that it's not. Unfortunately, having looked at all the evidence over the past couple of days, I'm I'm inclined to go with we are we are into the reign of the Empire by now. And mm. that Cassian had some previous experience. I don't know. I think I think that's incorrect. We'll see. We'll see when this I well, actually I don't know if we're gonna get any more flashbacks that'll help us with we this. see so it's interesting we see clone trooper right in some of the trailer shots and we see what appears to be riots and fighting against those clone troopers so it's possible that that may be a flashback even further back to show how this like group of kids ended up in the woods if in fact what happened was the planet was being strip mined the people didn't like this they rose up all the adults got killed the kids fled into the forest Mm, maybe yeah i don't know we'll have to wait and see or it could just be those are clone troopers on ferrix possibly and that's just see taking place i debated that but i feel like the showrunners would know firstly the showrunners would know at this point that clone troopers aren't being uh clearly they have had conversations with story group uh unlike certain other writers looking at you rise of skywalker clearly they spoke to story group and they're like writing things that are consistent with reference material and things we've got thus far. The other thing is that if the show is trying to be about the rebellion and the empire, they're gonna probably have the stormtroopers in there. Uh, if only because the stormtroopers are super iconic part of the era. And we know that stormtroopers are in mass use. Think the closest thing we get that's visual media is Jedi Fallen Order. And Jedi Fallen Order uses stormtroopers. That's only five years. That's 10 years before this happened. Okay. So yeah, the clone troopers has to be a flashback. Then. The clone troopers has to be a flashback. Yeah. The question is whether or not it is a flashback to Kenari or, and this is also possible, you are right. And this scene is set early in the Clone Wars and that's supposed to be a six-year-old for some reason. And then this is what Luthen references later in the episode when they hang uh, Cassian's presumably adoptive father which we still have yet to talk about so let's real quick talk, talk about, about him real quick yes segueing before i get into my my broader point uh please tell us about our one and only one new character and actor being introduced in this episode yeah that um, i give I, a shit about i was so i was so confused because i was like i i guess i i shouldn't expect them to not not introduce new people anymore i guess we've pretty much gotten our core cast at this point uh for the most part so we are missing one two we are missing two core cast members. i was gonna say because i think there's like two people on the poster that still have yet to show up so we are missing as far as core cast members we are missing Deidre, who is the um, our evil lady imperial, uh, and obviously we are missing Mon Mothma, who has but not yet. There's another shown. lady on the poster too. Oh right, that lady we don't know. I don't know, know who she is. About. Yeah, yeah, we and know nothing Sa- about her. Sagra, we're gonna and be, Sagra, we're yeah. gonna be, so, we're gonna be. We have a lot of DB pages for a fucking lot of these episodes. We have a lot of characters we've still yet to meet. Um, anyway, so let's talk about this one we have met. His name is Gary Beadle. He plays um Clem Andor, and he is is best known for it looks like in the heart of the sea that came out in 2015 with our uh, sexy chris hemsworth and uh tom holland so he was in that movie with them yeah they should both be in me what 
but I didn't say anything. Is this a children's podcast or not? I'm just kidding. It is not. Uh, thank God. Uh, there is an explicit label on the podcast, people. Please do not let your children <laughs> listen to this. This is not appropriate for them. Uh, yeah, that's, and I, I fear that, I don't know if we're, we'll, we'll probably get some more with him uh, we'll, in we'll more flashbacks. We'll definitely get some more with him. Yeah. Okay, we, we got to talk about what Marva does in this scene. So Andor is very good at complicated characters making pretty great, decisions and the decision that Marva makes here uh, to basically forcibly abduct Casa and take him on the ship is a really interesting choice mm-hmm. because on the one hand everything she's saying is right when the Republic frigate shows up it's not going to go well for the older kid to participate in the hunting party and on top of that what they don't know is that there's like poison gas in the atmosphere now and like Cassian will almost certainly be killed if if they remain however Clem points out that he has people there Mm. and she's like we don't know that i'm just gonna take him like kidnapping a child is an extremely bad thing to do however the show aptly demonstrates her logic in absconding with casa which i think is an interesting way to write this character this is one of two choices i'm like what the hell are you doing over the course of this episode uh we'll get to the other one the other one's actually technically last episode but we're gonna readdress it here but this was one i looked at i'm like marva he is a random 10 year old boy that you have found on this planet he clearly has people you don't know that they're all going to get killed why are you just abducting this child what the fuck marva for clarity's sake uh i am encompassing both flashbacks in my little rant about which is which is why i didn't like the structure of this episode because it was like because it makes things difficult for you personally yes, exactly in the present the locals begin to take notice of the security forces in their town and cassian waits in a warehouse for luthan in the past marva sedates a young cassian and quote rescues him from the wrecked ship back in the present the security forces show up to marva's house to get cassian and be begins to question and intimidate her. And they discover Cassian's location by tracking the comm device he gave to B2. So my literal note here just reads, man, the cops suck. There's no reason for them to trash his room like that. Side note, I'm I'm, I'm kind of c- curious. So this security force or whatever, they're not even a part of this planet. No, this so planet is- What in- authority so- do they have? Okay, so there's Morlana 1, which is the pre-more, pre-ox Morlana Corporation headquarters. Right. And then there's planets that are under the Preox Morlana jurisdiction that are technically territorial planets belonging to the corporation, of which Ferex is one. Ah, uh, okay. And they talked about in episode two that primarily the security force has not really been messing with these planets. Got it. That they've mostly been letting them do this own thing. And people like um the the other officer, I forgot his name. Um the Alex Burns' character uh, was talking about how, like, he feels like they've been giving them too easy of a time. I see, I see. And that they okay. specifically want a show of force here to demonstrate that they have authority, which backfires really badly because one good way to turn a community against you very quickly is finding a retired old lady and fucking with her home. Yeah, you can, I think you notice by the end of the scene, uh, there's a crowd kind of drawing outside of her house. Like, mm-hmm. what the fuck are you doing? Why are you abusing this old lady? Like, what the fuck is going on? Like, 
Well, because they pick targets, they pick targets specifically that can't or won't fight back or are vulnerable. Right. Notice that the people that the security officers go after to mess with are like women and droid. Mm. You don't see them messing with like Brasso, but right. you do see them messing with like Bix and Marva and B2 because these are even more marginalized characters that they feel like they can have some power over. They did not need seven fucking guys to trash Marva's home. They don't even need to trash Marva's home in general, but they show up with seven guys to mess with this old lady because that gives them power. Mm-hmm. That demonstrate that allows them to push their power down without resistance. There are no politics in Star Wars. I also like how they have to bully the droid to get information. Like, and Marva says something really interesting in the scene because they go, "Hey, there's somebody else who lives here," and then they're like, "It's obviously this droid." And then they go up to the droid and they're like, "Oh, just pull his power supply." And then she's like, "They can't do that. They're in our home." And then they, he tells her to like shut her up and like cover her mouth or something like that. I just thought that was interesting. It's very like you're overstepping what you're allowed to do legally. I don't know what the rules are in to Star come back. Wars. But... Need, very, very, you need to come back with a warrant and then they kick right. the door down anyway, energy. Right. Uh, because like, what are they going to, what, what's she going to do? What Complain at the do? once a month territorial forum? She's like a fucking 80 year old lady. Right. What is she going to do to stop them? Well, the problem is there's a bunch of people outside and they are going to do things to stop them. So, okay, so let's talk about the box. I promised we would talk about the box. I teased that. What's so important about this box that you're obsessed with this box, Charles? What's wrong? The question is, what is the box? (laughs) What is the box? What does the box do? And Cassian kind of explains a little bit in this episode that once plugged in, the box can track Imperial ships uh, Mm. for up to nine parsecs. Nice. allowing presumably any rebellion sh- rebel ships in the area or subversive ships in the area to know where the imperial ships are and be able to either avoid them or attack star wars explained put out a short alex damon the only good star wars youtuber uh brian i love you i don't count you because you're a live streamer uh you get to be over in a little safe bubble from this criticism uh, but alex damon the only good star wars youtuber put out a short Uh, that actually talked about what the box is, because it's been mentioned one other place. And that place was in the 1998 novel, I, Jedi, where a box like this is mentioned as being the navigational system of a refurbished Star Destroyer. So presumably, this box was intended to work as part of the navigation system of an Imperial Star Destroyer, and that it has other functions besides what Cassian is saying, but that that is what this box was meant to do, is it was meant to be part of the navigation system and presumably the tracking system for other Imperial ships for an Imperial Star Destroyer that he just walked in and took. Yeah, you just got to act like you belong. Yep. So that is, to the best of my information, what the box actually is. Thank you, Alex Damon, for putting that short is short out. Also, everyone should go uh, subscribe to Pink Milk on YouTube and watch their live streams. It is a great time. Let's talk about Tim. We don't talk about Tim. No, we do no, talk no, about no. Tim. We don't well, talk. I'm just kidding. So I, I heavily criticized Tim last episode correctly. And in the intervening 24 hours between us recording that episode and us recording this episode, I saw an interesting take about Tim that I want to bring up. Okay. Now, I think Tim can eat shit, personally. Fuck that guy. However, for the sake of conversation, and because I think this is an interesting take, I wanted to bring up this perspective that 
yes, us looking at everything going on, we see Tim view Bix and Cassian's relationship with jealousy and think that there's something going on there. And that's why he rats Cassian out. But an alternative perspective that was offered was that if you look at how cagey Bix is and how she keeps Tim at arm's length and she's always running off to do quote unquote errands and she's clearly skimming stuff off the top, that to somebody like Tim who cares about her, it's going to look like she's getting wrapped up in things that are going to be very dangerous for her. And that Cassian, because Cassian is such a, a essentially dangerous guy that he's so messy and he's wrapped up in all this stuff, is a either a bad influence or somebody who's actively going to put Bix in danger. And so Tim removing Cassian or trying to have Cassian removed was done in an effort as well to protect Bix from his influence. Now, I'm not sure I completely agree with this take, but... These are morally great characters. It is entirely possible that that factored into it somewhat. So Tim's betrayal and then Bix being pissed off about it when she finds out about it because he's a dumbass. The reason she finds out about it is he tries to jump in and stop her from going and protect her. So it's interesting to look at because what's great about the writing of Andor is you can look at it and you can say, yeah, he did it because he was jealous. Or you can interpret it a completely different way that's still supported by the text, which I find super interesting. No, I, I actually kind of view it more in that way. Um, I mean, yes, he seems like jealous boyfriend energy, but he also has the same energy of, well, Cassian's a bad dude. Like, you don't need to be getting involved with that because if you get involved with Cassian, you're going to end up either dying or going to prison or whatever because he's a bad guy. And if you get wrapped up with him, you're also going to be quote unquote bad. So I definitely like that take more because it gives him less of a pettiness and more of a like he's doing it like he's doing bad things for the right reasons like he knows that yes he's kind of throwing Cassian under the bus but he's throwing Cassian under the bus because he cares about Bix more than he cares about Cassian yeah I I think it's it's a little of column A it's a little of column B but I think what's nice about the character writing is that you can have those varying takes about like what was Tim's primary motivation? Was it a mixture? Was it one more so than the other? Like that's good character writing where you can have these conversations and say what really was going through his head because real people are often motivated by multiple different factors coming together to have them take the actions that they're taking. So I think that's a really interesting way to view the character. Uh, I, I certainly think he's more complicated than just being shitty, jealous boyfriend. I think everyone in the show is more complicated than first seems. And that's the beauty of this particular writing. Some of the pre-war cop that, cops that get killed at the beginning of the, the first episode, I, I think those guys had it coming. Right. Yeah, we don't care about them. That's no, we, we don't care about them. That was completely correct. Um, I want to go back to Luthen and Cassian's little combo in the warehouse. For a yes, second. the one the one that was uh, shown as part of the Andor um, marketing material, but now has so much more meaning and depth and context. One of the things that you brought up earlier that was mentioned that I didn't really quite catch the first time, but I did catch it the second time, especially since we now we looked up Cassian's adopted, quote, father. He mentions, Luthen mentions that Cassian's father was strung up in the square or he was hung or something. He was, he was hanged in the square. Right. That was really interesting because one, will we find out why that happened? And then, or was it just like a, 
like a I, I wonder if like there's two ways to look at it because one way it could be like he was either wrongfully killed for some reason or maybe he did something that was to protect Cassian in some way that caused him to do something quote illegal or wrong and then that's he got caught I'm wondering if like maybe that's possibly the yeah it's, gonna go. it's a thing that we don't know because I picked up on that line again too because with the whole debate on like what happened to Cassian's biological parents what happened to Kalani I would I just said Kalani again yeah I was like it's oh like, who is that? I was like who's Kalani <laughs> there's debate on what happened to his biological parents and again like how old is he in the flashbacks what happened what are we seeing etc cetera, etc cetera. Right. I thought it was probably his his biological father the first time I watched this and I watched the second time since Luthen doesn't seem to know about Kanari until today he must be talking about Clem Andor right. so I'm like what happened to Clem Andor it's mm, many questions, many questions over the next nine episodes to be answered. And probably actually over the next uh, next 21 episodes. I don't imagine we'll get all the answers in season one. The fact that the fucking corpos are like, oh, the banging is intimidation. Just ignore it. It speaks so much to the fact that they don't understand how these communities work. And like, it's a general warning to everyone to flee. I don't think it's a warning specifically to Cassian. It's a general warning to either flee or fight back. We do see Brasso uh, opts to fight back, but most people are just going to take cover because we see by the time of the final confrontation with Cassian, the streets are completely empty. And the fact that the Corpos don't realize that they're clearing the streets, that they're like, no, they're just trying to intimidate us. It speaks so lowly of them, which I thought was interesting. Um, also thought interesting that Cassian is super bad at <laughs> subterfuge because they track him with the comm like. I was like, dude, come on. That's the oldest trick in the book. Like, uh, I also I do like how Luthien's kind of giving him like rule one, don't do this, rule two, like. Luthien is clearly set, Luthien is clearly set up to be his like mentor character. Oh yeah, definitely. As the security team closes in, they stop a frantic fix in the street. Cassian and Luthien begin their escape. Firefight ensues. Tim catches up to Bix, but is shot and killed trying to confront the security. The security guards leave a distraught Bix chained up. Yeah, so they grab Bix ostensibly because she's running the wrong way. Which, which is bullshit. Yeah, like, I, mm, I have so much trouble with this scene only because it's like, why did they single her out other than, like, he, I mean, the guard gives the reason, like, hey, you're clearly not running home. Like, you're clearly running from something. So you're obviously suspicious. I'm, I'm going to tell you, you exactly why they're doing it. Uh, because she is a woman who is smaller than them. And they're not going to meet any resistance from her. And is doing something vaguely suspicious enough to get stopped. That is the reason why the show is is making a commentary on the way that police treat marginalized communities. And mm -hmm. one of the things they will do is we saw this with Marva. They went after Marva because she's an 80-year-old woman who can't fight back. They went after B2 because he's a trash robot who can't fight back. They go after Bix ostensibly she's running the wrong direction but that's just a pretext that's like pulling someone over for doing five miles over the speed limit right you didn't pull them over because they went five miles over the speed limit you pulled them over because they're in a marginalized community and you thought you could get away with it like what what reason do they have as i must keep reminding our audience star right. wars is not political i love the way that cassian doesn't realize luthan isn't there for the box oh right i I, I didn't mention that in the little bit, but 
he he keeps going like, oh no, we have to get the box back. Like that's so important. And then Luthen doesn't care. Like he right. genuinely does not care about the box. Like that's not the whole point. He's there to get Cassian. Right. He's and Cassian just Cassian. doesn't realize this. Well, Cassian, Cassian doesn't see things in terms of the bigger picture. He has kind of the generous thing of you can't notice the Imperial flags if you don't look up. He kind of has the same thing of like, um, you know, it's all about money and survival and getting off the planet and surviving to the next day. And he doesn't realize that Luthen is offering him a chance to do something bigger than himself or that Luthen could even want him in the first place to do this. There's almost a seeming bit of self-doubt with him. So I, I think that's a really interesting aspect of where Cassian is in his character journey right now. That He genuinely doesn't figure out Luthien's there, Luthen. I keep calling him Luthien. Luth- I keep calling him Luthien because I'm thinking about Rings of Power and Baron and Luthien. It's fucking Baron and Luthien is why I keep calling Luthen Rail Luthen. Luthien. It's Baron and Luthien. My God. I have too many goddamn. I'm going to keep mixing this shit up because there's too many TV shows on. Speaking of Luthen, I think his, the stance and the way he holds his gun is very interesting to me. Did you notice that? I did not notice that. What was What's so special he, about it? He holds it on his arm. So I'm going to sound weird for a minute because I'm going to show Bradley in the camera. He has one arm horizontal. And then he's holding the weapon braced on I see his arm to steady it. Well, we do notice that when he gets off the ship early in the episode, he does have a cane or some kind of walking stick. So I'm wondering if this is some kind of maybe degenerative disease that he has or something to where he cannot stable his arm or he needs like some extra help being mobile or, you know what I mean? Like he has some kind of disability of some kind that causes him to That's not be excellent thought yeah i don't that know i just maybe he's just there's something else there to that yeah that's definitely a thought and like he's a very mysterious character at this point mm-hmm. we don't know a lot about him it's possible he's pushing the rebellion as hard as he is because he's not going to live to see it right there's a movie the talking about stances and like made me think of a movie called free fire I believe is the movie. It has Brie Larson, Killian Murphy. I believe this is the movie in question. Um, That's like another, the entire movie, the entire hour and a half movie is just like a gunfight in like an abandoned garage thing. Hmm. And this scene reminded me a little bit of that with how messy it is. Like we think of like fighting in Star Wars to be a certain way, but this one you've got blaster bolts going all over the place and stuff is crashing and they're just screwing up and getting the crap beaten out of them every five minutes uh so i did really like that i think it's free fire is the movie with brie larson that i'm thinking of that is a random interjection that i had okay so i'll probably cut that out anyway next um what was the (laughs) (laughs) don't you just love editing these episodes and we're almost done so it's actually pretty good we're making good time on this one it's because we don't have to fucking introduce everybody that's exactly what it is it's (laughs) this episode went by a little bit faster because it is purely just like things are set in motion so uh, yeah, so we're doing the police firing on people. Cop definitely just shot an unarmed man for no reason. I didn't quite understand. I think, is this what you were talking about when you said the characters' choices were weird in this episode? Well, not weird, but like I disagreed with the choice. Okay, so... Uh, I was talking about Marva, and I was talking about Tim, Rad, and Cassian out, because I wanted to bring up the, the oh, alternate okay. take. So Tim I... rushing in to try yeah. to save Vix... 
based on everything we know about the character made complete sense okay. and it also looked like the corpos never intended to fire that guy got trigger happy right which is why the other guard or whatever told him to get out of there like took his gun away and told him to go get right. the ship but by then of course the damage has been done the guys well, there's nothing dead. yeah there's no, nothing you can do you know it doesn't matter if you know it was one guy that, that was armed the fact that there was a guy there that was armed at all is the problem right well i think the other problem too is they're like okay we're done here like, we don't need to be dealing with this right now. So we're going to forget this ever happened and let's just go. And we leave her chained up and we'll just peace out. Like, there's no repercussion because what's going to happen? She's chained up. He's dead. So she's the only thing that's like has any word or say against what we did. And no one's going to believe her because she's just a lone woman by herself. So because no one else saw. So I just thought that was interesting. There is not a comment being made here about the actions of these corpos and how they respond in the aftermath where he just sends the guy back to the shuttle. Mm -hmm. And it's basically like, okay, we're we're just going to leave her here having to watch Tim's dead body. This is a really fucked up show yeah. in like all the best ways. Next up, the security team takes their positions as the secret signal stops in the town. Cassian sneaks up on Cyril and ties him up. The guard who killed Tim begins to take off in a ship, which has been secretly tied down by Brasso, and forces the ship to crash. I want to note that this episode is two-thirds done before Cyril speaks a single line of dialogue. Which is good, because I think it's funny, because he, once he's in the thick of it, he's like, not hyper-focused, but you know what I mean? Like, he doesn't really know what to do, and he's kind of, once he's kind of put on his own, like, I think in the beginning of this scene... They all, all the guards kind of like take points. Like they're like, oh, we got to corner Cassian and Luthen. And he kind of goes off on his own, right? And he opens up this door and he kind of sneaks in there. He doesn't really know what he's doing. And he's kind of like breaking, entering essentially. And he's like, hello, is anyone here? And then they see some like aliens in the corner and he shoots at them. Which is bad. I want to, I want to throw that out there again, <laughs> that we get even more instances of cops firing on people for no right. reason because the aliens startle him and he's so trigger happy right, at this so point because he's so anxious yeah. and like wound up from this environment that he shoots at them. He does not shoot them, but he shoots at them. Uh, so we get two instances of the cops firing on unarmed people for no reason here. Anyway, please continue your point. Um, yeah, so I just thought, like, because he's so freaked out and, like, high-strung right now, I just find that interesting. And that's what causes him to be able to be snuck up upon, essentially, from uh, by Cassian and Luthen, which... I really love Luthen's part right here where he's like, oh, just just kill him. We don't need him around or whatever. And then Cassian is just like trying to get information from him. And then he's like, no, okay, fine. I'll kill him then. Like, you know, he keeps offering this like secondary option to Cassian. And well, they're I don't playing know good if cop, he's... bad cop. Right. And, well, I thought about it and I was like, is this a test for Cassian? He wants to see if Cassian is this like, quote, ruthless person or is he a smart person? Who's like, let me get the information first and then deal with the peep killing. <laughs> I mean, they, sh they should have shot the demon twink, but. Yeah, but now that he's on all the marketing material, you can't kill him this early. Oh, God, I hate Cyril so much. <laughs> uh, but speaking of people I don't hate, uh, hats off to Fiona Shaw for just her acting in general. Yeah. Like, she's so good in every scene she's in, but in particular, the that's what a reckoning sounds like scene that she does. A plus, 10 out of 10, 
incredible. Side note, uh, she said the name of the episode in the episode. So roll credits, we're done. Like we don't need to watch the rest of the episode now. That's the rule of every show. Like did you, say just, the title, did you yeah. just make a cinema sins reference at me <laughs> to my face? Roll credits. I will get on another plane. I recognize <laughs> I just spent money to come down there. I will get on another plane. I'm dead. And fist fight you. Not even in a Denny's parking lot. I will take this to a Waffle House parking lot. That is how you know I'm serious. Do not make Cinema Sins references at me, Bradley. Do not. I I will see red. There will be like steam coming out of my ears. Uh, the seas will turn to blood and boil with my wrath. Uh, that's that's where we're going with this. We do get the first on-screen use of the word shit in a Star Wars. This is the first, I I think this is the first just any kind of curse other than damn on uh, in Star Wars. This is like the first anything. Uh, Poe has given us hell and ass. Okay, but that doesn't count. Because we've gotten uh, hell and ass. We've gotten uh, hell before, though. That was in, uh, he said, I'll see you in hell in Empire Strikes okay. Back. So, the, you yep, know, so I mean, Empire gave us hell. Um, Poe Dameron po gave us ass, ass in Rise of Skywalker. <laughs> and Sergeant uh, Moss gave us shit. And Cassian gave us crap uh, in episode one. Oh, okay. Well, I mean, Jar Jar uh, gave us Poodoo in uh, episode one. So, we're, I mean, we're missing bitch and fuck. We'll never get fuck, but I'm sure we'll definitely get bitch at some point. Maybe later in this series. I was going to say, well, I'm sure I'm sure we'll get a son of a bitch. Like, that's what we'll get. We won't ever get somebody calling somebody a bitch. Like, be like oh, you're such a fucking bitch. Like, we'll get son of a bitch. Like, that's what we'll get. I'm pretty sure. That's something that could happen, theoretically. Mm, yes. So, as the internet has pointed out repeatedly, this in live action there canonizes are, the I'm word I'm sure there shit. are full full articles of the oh, one tiny certainly. section of this. I don't know. I thought it was it good. Feels clickbait it was articles. funny. You know, you don't catch it right away if you're not paying super close attention because it just sounds very natural when he says it. He's like, he's like, shit, we're surrounded or something. Or he's like, like, shit, we're under siege. Yeah. It's like, you don't think about it too hard. And then like, once it hits you, you're like, oh, sh-. you're like, oh, shit. They just said shit in Star Wars. <laughs> oh, shit. Our podcast is getting closer and closer to being listenable to the general audience. Right. Finally, Cassian and Luthen cause a distraction by blowing up a car and escape by speeder bike. Marva reflects on when she takes Cassian away. Bix is distraught and gets away from the dead body. Cyril is awestruck in his defeat and everyone is pretty depressed. We end with Cassian and Luthen escaping Ferrex as a young Cassian flies off into the stars with Marva. I like the part where all the corporate cops get dead. (laughs) That part made me delighted. I like this whole entire end kind of I'll call it like the final scene where like it's like this culmination of everybody's kind of emotions because especially Cyril he oh Cyril losing it is fucking great it is probably the best part of the the scene because he is so like just like he doesn't even know what to do he's so like outmaneuvered distraught he doesn't understand what just happened and then you you also have to think about the whole way that reason this started was because two Primor guys got killed on Marlana 1. And now Cyril is responsible, having defied the chief inspector. He is now responsible for at least three more Primor guys getting killed in the line of duty. And then all this other problems that they're causing, because now, theoretically, in this report, Maybe Tim's death might come up in this report yep. later on or something. They've, and that's going to be an issue. They've shot an unarmed issue. man. 
Right. They have bullied a, an old woman. They didn't even yeah. get the guy that they were looking for. Yeah. And you angered the, the town. Yep. Yep. Uh-huh. And so it's like, ooh, this is going to blow back on Searle. Because I, I feel like he's going to get either reprimanded or he's going to have to pull one of those like, well, I fucked up. So now I have to fuck up even more to redeem myself kind of thing. A uh, couple of small details, just two little minor details that I wanted to note about this whole extended sequence. Because the whole sequence is 10 out of 10 no notes. Like, right. Yeah, I don't really have this is how you end an arc. This is the note you end this arc on to now everyone is in position. This is the inciting incident of the whole show is this episode right here. If you look at it in terms of a broad overarching narrative, but there's only two things I wanted to to bring up. Do you know the thing that they've been saying the whole time about Marva not turning the heat on? Uh, Somebody has to make sure she turns the heat on because she won't turn it on herself. Despite the fact she can afford to do it, she won't do it. And Cassian has to be there to turn the heat on or make her do it. If you watch closely in her final shot, uh, you can see her breath fogging Uh, because she has turned the heat off. Wow. Uh, The other note I have is B2's kind of little deflation makes me extremely sad. I am sad and cry. Well, it definitely gives everybody depression at the end of this episode. (laughs) I am (laughs) sad after this episode. I need to go watch something cheerful like House of the Dragon. I'm sure you'll be very happy next week though when uh your lovely woman walks on screen in the My very first queen. shot yeah she's gonna well, i bet you that's the first shot i'm calling it now she's walking on this very regal entrance is the very first shot of the episode i'm feeling oh it. my queen i am so prepared all right bradley well do you want to do your your final thoughts first um yeah so final thoughts uh th- like i said this is the culmination of three episodes it what's funny is had this been a mandalorian episode this would have been they would have combined all three episodes into one episode and just made this a slightly longer premiere episode they wouldn't have done it for the full hour and 45 minutes or whatever it is if you add them all together but they would have done like a solid 60 minute episode for the premiere and that's because there are those cute little scenes that are kind of squeezed in that make this a nice three episode arc but i don't know i like it It was a good culmination of the action i felt like everything kind of worked really well minus the a little bit of like i said the flashback scenes were just a little too short for this episode and it's like you kind of needed to squeeze them out a little bit i don't know it was just weird but other than that uh i was enjoying myself and i love the sense of dread that this leaves at the end <laughs> everybody's depressed I I love this episode. I think it was absolutely the right choice to release all three of the first arc at once to really give us a taste of what the show is going to be. I'm really excited to see where it goes. I'm glad we spent a lot of time on Ferrix getting to know these characters. I'm glad that we we didn't distract it by trying to go broader right off bat uh, because the story is going to be how Cassian plays into the, the birth of the modern sort of rebel alliance as we see it in the original trilogy and toward the end of Rebels and in Rogue One. And in order to do that, we have to understand where Cassian comes from. And we have to care about all these people as individuals uh, before they can get become part of the broader narrative uh, that the story is telling. So I quite liked it. I found it immensely enjoyable. And I'm looking forward to the arrival of my queen in, in the next episode. So Bradley, go ahead and run the socials because you have some editing to do. Yes, I do. Thank you for listening to Gold Squadron Gaze. Did Charles fuck something up? Send us a message at goldsquadrongaze at gmail.com. 
Follow us on Twitter at Gold Squad Gaze. Follow us on Instagram and TikTok at Gold Squadron Gaze. Subscribe to us on YouTube at Gold Squadron Gaze, where we post the podcast as well as exclusive content. Please join us next week and every week for more of Gold Squadron Gaze.